Welcome to the EMC Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field in the classroom each week. Each episode of this podcast gives you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com. So head over there for more information. Guys, we are back, and it's been a couple weeks since we last got together, so it's it exciting to have you. Where have, have you been? Around. We missed you. you. Yeah. You were the one that left. Both of you. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, we did go. You guys actually got some time away. We did. We did. Thank so, goodness. And we're going to talk about that time today. Oh. Is that what the subject is today? Yeah. We're going to call it. Dan's story. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Remember a few episodes back when we did that intervention with Brenda? Yes. I mean, we've done it a couple this times. This is part, part due. Yeah. Or toi. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It really did. It was Planted an exorcism. <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. Okay. So, so, I mean, where do we start? Because you guys should probably tell everybody what you were uh, able to attend down in Texas. And it's a little bit top secret, so we won't go into, you know, the details of all the names of the people that were there. But a pretty cool event for you guys, right? It was it was a life-changing event. It, it really was. It sounds kind of dramatic to yeah. say that, but it really was. It was very life-changing. Wow. You know, yeah, people say that all the time. It's just kind of thrown around. But yeah. this one? Really was. Oh, man. Awesome. So, Holly, tell us. Tell them where we were, what we did. Um, We went down to... Uh, Dallas, Texas to do the train the trainer course for the FBI officer resiliency course. And it was awesome. And we thought we were going to go down because we're, we're pretty passionate about peer support. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were going to go down and I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't know what I thought it was going to be like. I just thought I was getting out of work for three or four days. That's <laughs> true. Really? <laughs> And we were going to go down and see some uh, Brenda and Ben, who have been on the podcast before, so we were super excited. And uh, we get there, and it was like no class I've ever been to. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure where to start. Well, let's awesome. start with so it's officer resilience. You guys are not FBI officers. Nope. <clears throat> okay, you just know people who know people that helped you get into the class. Correct. Right. We were right. invited right. to attend, and there was only. Was there 15 people there? 15 people. 15 people in the class. And is this like a, you know, I'm thinking of the typical three-day class I've been to where you break out into stations and it's, you know. No. no. So, first of all, we had, there were fighter pilots in there. Uh, you know, Brenda was there. She's a doctor. We've had other firefighters, fire chiefs, police, police officers, chiefs. detectives. Yep. Some undercover peoples. Yeah. Pe- people have been involved in officer-involved shootings. It was a very well-rounded class uh, of attendees. And so, you know, I, I don't like classroom stuff because I like to get my hands on. Yeah. And so we walk in, we're sitting there, and there's these two instructors. And I, to, t- to tell you the truth, I still couldn't tell you if I were to have to define resiliency, mm-hmm. I don't think I could, hey, this is what it is and this is what I learned. I would have to actually show you and hopefully by the end of this talk, you'll see how I showed my family. Yeah. How I showed myself, my coworkers. Yeah. So what it looks like for you. Right. And it's not going to be the same it's not the for same. Holly. It's not going to be the same for me. Right. Okay. And it's built on principles like, you know, just, just being a well-rounded person. So the spiritual component, mm-hmm. the physical component, the emotional component, all of these things together build your resiliency. And if I, if I just to put a little disclaimer out there. If I understand the spiritual component that I've been told is part of resiliency, it doesn't mean you have to believe in God. No, nope. no, no. It means nope. that you have to do things that come from within. Come from within. Yep. Right. Okay. Like for me, being out on a trail, like trail running, that's very spiritual for me yeah. because I'm connecting with the forest and yeah. <laughs> even though that sounds nerdy, I feel really connected to the earth when I'm out mm-hmm. there and it feels really um, cleansing for me to be out there running. That's awesome. Um, so it could be that. It could be yoga. It could be anything. Yeah. Um, whatever your spirituality is. Yeah. It could be religion. Yeah. yeah. Some people take refuge in that, and that's that's awesome. Yeah. Whatever it takes to I get know you there. My wife and I have, um, you know, we attend to church, but we also, like for me, it's the thing that I get the most enjoyment out of uh, is fly fishing. I'm out on yes. a river. Yep. I'm literally just, no one is talking to me. I don't have my phone with me. I am by myself doing my thing. And connected I, with I, water, and I cannot see that from you. Flash. Really? Oh man, I, I'll show you photos. I literally just got back from the Rogue River on Monday. We need to go. I need you. to. Talk, I need. Well, I learned. I need. Oh, to get Dan, a we'd hobbies. have a blast. Oh, one of us going to have to come back. 
Maybe we should record <laughs> you really should, us please? on the river. Because yes. that would be amazing. <laughs> hey, Dan, 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 ow, Dan, Dan, don't hit me with the freaking hook anymore, Dan. <laughs> You're going to need like a safety officer there. Yeah, so stand no. by. <laughs> That's good. That's going to happen. I like it. So when the class started out, it was the introduction. So do you know how you go to a class and, okay, my name's Dan Leibniz, good. I work for this place. I work for that place. Uh, I have a wife and three kids at home. Glad to be here. Yeah. So that's generally what the introductions are. Mm -hmm. We had 15 people. It took three hours to get through the introductions. Wow. 15 people. How many tears were shed during that? Like the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Because we started out with Ben, right? Oh, yeah. Ben made us all cry. And he set the tone, and the tone was amazing. Wow. Like, when you talk vulnerability... Mm-hmm. He opened it up in the first five. Without even knowing that's Without what he was doing. Knowing. Oh, so it wasn't like something he planned. No. No, not at all. We wow. just thought, so we thought we were going to this train the trainer course, and yeah. apparently we were the course. We made the course as we were there. there was, halfway there was through, no they're curriculum. like, just so you know, you're, ac- this is, you're actually taking the course. Like, oh, kind of wow. tricked us. Cool. No. Yeah. They have slides to fall back on if, yeah. if as a trainer you run into that group of people that just sit there. Yeah. And they don't open up. You have a set of slides you go to. But and is it based off whose curriculum is it? The Air Force. Air Force. Okay. Yep. Well, it started out with the Air Force and I think the FBI, the FBI had, yeah, exactly. Um, made it their own, but it's relevant to everybody. I don't think you have to be an EMS to take this course at all, but it really fits with this group of people. Right. Um, and what we're trying to be resilient against, I guess, is basically what we see every day. And it should be a course that we start at an early age for our children. Oh, I think it should be in every middle school and high school. And I know that's what Brenda has shared on the podcast before. Yeah. She's like, we're trying to get people before the event happens, right? And right. The sooner the better. So if that's day one at your new job, great, but preferably in schools, you know, in mm-hmm. uh, homeroom, you know, that kind of stuff, like right. way before you ever – exposed to something that's, you know, that gnarly. And so it, it doesn't even have to be an exposure to something that's gnarly. It can be just how you live your life. It could just be like that repeated trauma right. that happens. Or, or just like, I think the, one of the biggest things, and I, ju- I have to re refocus myself is be where your feet are. Yeah. And that means like right now I'm still having a hard time thinking about, okay, I got to go home and do, I got to do my run. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, be there for my wife and kids and the dogs. Yeah. I got to make dinner. Mm-hmm. I need to be right here right now with you guys doing this podcast. And that's where my feet are. And just appreciate that and understand this is, this is where I am. So be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. That's cool. I like that one. Yeah. And just backing up a little bit about resiliency. I like what you said before. It's building your resiliency. It's a muscle, right? So some of us, I think are naturally good at it. Sure. I've been in this career for a long time, but yeah. maybe we don't notice that we've been exercising that muscle this whole time. But you can mm-hmm. actually do that. You can help your kids become resilient or at least become more resilient. And uh, one thing I like about the resiliency part is teaching people how to consciously be resilient. It's like the precursor to needing the peer support or the precursor to having that PTSD event. It's not going to prevent it, but it gives you a lot of tools in your toolbox um, to be able to employ in different situations mm-hmm. after each call. Um, if you're just, like you said, being where your feet are and some of these other things that we'll talk about, um, exercising those things every day will just help you naturally become resilient. Yeah. And so I, I love my wife and she is too resilient, I think. <laughs> Uh, so well, she would have to be. She would have to be. Yeah, right? well, I mean, and, and so am I. And so we try to teach our kids that. And I remember I really screwed up on a trip we took to Peru, and I didn't think we could fly into Cusco's, and so we rented a car in Lima, and so we drove up through the Andes Mountains. I don't know if you guys ever in the Andes Mountains, but they're pretty yeah. high. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty deserted. Yeah. And we're lost. Okay. And my wife is super cool. And she's being really cool to me, but I can see in her eyes, like, what did you do? Yes. And then, so we stop the car, we get out and she's, you know, she's taught because the kids are a little freaked out. They're younger Mm -hmm. then. 
And and she's been speaking, oh, we're fine. We're just on a nice sightseeing trip. We'll get there pretty soon. She gets out of the car and says, what the f*** are you doing? <laughs> so, so she was teaching our kids resiliency there yeah. by, by not freaking out, by mm-hmm. being in control. Like, this is going to be okay. But then she let me have it, right? Right. She sure did. <laughs> she sure did. So but you're not okay. born with it. No. It's something that you 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 acquire. Yeah, acquire, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I know that... Um, one of the questions I was asked during my treatment was, how did you know to come here? Because a lot of people don't reach out individually. A lot of times someone makes a recommendation and it's kind of, you know, through a guide, so to speak, of life. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, I think I can attribute that to my folks. Uh, they had us in therapy early on for just, we were a mixed family. And so, you know, just... I don't, there wasn't even really any major event. It was just, hey, you should probably go check in with someone and have someone besides us to talk to. And so they did that. And it wasn't like I was going every month, but I would say from probably elementary school on, uh, between then and high school, I was going a couple times a year and mm-hmm. just checking in with someone. And that was, that really set me up for success in a lot of ways because one, I got used to talking about things. I was able to, you know, get stuff off my chest and then when the big event happens for me and it's not always a big event right like you said it can be the way you live your life or it can be a cumulative event you know of a bunch of stress you're under uh for me it was you know that big event happens and then you know you fall back kind of like training on the fire ground right you fall back to the level of your training Mm -hmm. for me i fell back to the level of my mental health um that i had before the event and it was enough to get me into the door to see the right person even though it took oh, some time you know awesome. and, and it made it so it was okay yeah you know for you to go to th- uh, to therapy because you know for me that's and you were vulnerable mm-hmm. so like me i think oh man there's no way i could go to therapy i'm still that way and i'm working on it yeah because we're gonna get you there <laughs> it's yeah. weakness right it's my weak it would be weak for me to do that and that's, oh, and that's your you perceived think. weakness. that's mm-hmm. what i right. think right yeah. so I, I really admire that, and I think that's a great thing yeah. that your parents did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's hammer down on the specifics of the class because you said it was – it sounds to me like it was a pretty awesome experience, mainly because the instructors knew to not just sit there and read off slides. And every right. good class you go to, they know the curriculum inside and out. They don't need to look at slides unless, mm-hmm. like you said, someone's not talking. So what did they end up walking you through? Well, they kind of mixed just um, storytelling. Storytelling was a really huge part of this class. And storytelling is a really powerful way to um, to do, I guess, anything. So storytelling for us is therapy, right? We sit around and tell our, quote, war stories. Or even storytelling in families is a really powerful way to experience things. And so I thought the storytelling was amazing. But we also went through you know, science, you know, if you, like you said, your, your wife got triggered by you not knowing where you were at. Right. So that was what they call the activating event. And if you take a second to get your prefrontal cortex back online, you can make rational, calm decisions, take that breath. Mm -hmm. Um, but immediately that immediate, um, response is, is your animal brain just kicking in to fight or flight survival mode. Mm -hmm yell and scream or do whatever in the moment. Um, and it, part of it was teaching us how to ABC, right? Activating event, breathe, and then what are the consequences? And I thought that was really interesting, too. Uh, you too. a lot. Good for you. I'm an A-plus student. <laughs> well, I got five-star A-plus students. Yeah. A-plus, yeah. <laughs> I'm sandwiched between. 4.0. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I just thought that that was such a, a beautiful visual because I get those activating events. We all do. We Even all if do. it's a good event, it's still that activating event that's going to trigger something. And I love how your wife in that story was just like, I'm totally calm and I'm going to breathe and put on this front. And when we step out of the car, <laughs> I will I'm ask you what the hell's going on. <laughs> so yeah, that's a perfect representation of, right. of this. And I um, see myself doing that on calls. Uh, I, I go to a call. I'm from the readback. I expect it to be a BS call. Sure enough, it's a BS call, and they say, okay, I want to go to the hospital. That's my triggering event because 
I don't like sending people to the hospital right. when they don't need to go. Yeah. And so I immediately bypass my, my, <laughs> was it frontal cortex? The prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex yeah. I go right to my animal brain and I, I immediately lash into them. Yeah. Which usually means I have to take them a coffee car the next shift. Right. Or like yeah. That, right? Hide an apology. Yeah. Right. So sorry about that. It was a bad day. Yeah. Right. So it, I was trying to save you $20,000. Okay. Yeah, just right. trying to help, but you know, you do you. So exactly. And so yes, I'm really trying to stop, take the time to process mm-hmm. and then move on. And usually I stay, say the same thing, but still, it's, yeah. at least I've thought about it. So, I, I I could talk about not sending people to the hospital for like five hours. Oh, me too. I, I, I truly think, I, I take it upon myself, which some people don't, to educate people on what is a reason to go to the ER in the first place. Right. And, and by ambulance. Yes, and if it's a problem that you have been chronically dealing with and you're just today out of your medication, that's not really a reason to go to the ER more than call your primary care and talk to the on-call doc to get a refill sent to the pharmacy. Like th- like having those conversations, right? I think, oh man, I think man, we've activated you, you activated something. me, man. Yes. <laughs> Goodness. We have. But he did think event. about it. He didn't lash right into the whole... I wanted to, yeah, jump on it. <laughs> anyway, so I think a lot of the, a lot of the class was really just teaching us about ourselves. Like, how does the human body work? How does the brain work? And these situations, and then how do we make the best out of them? And that's resiliency, right? You're trying to make the best out of this situation you're in, and it trickles down from work to your personal life to interacting with the person at Starbucks or whatever it is. Um, it was really good. And of course, we don't, I don't think we have time to go into all of the things, but um, we talked a lot about our subconscious and our our values. That's That was the trigger for me. That was the trigger for me, too. Right. That one right there so values, sort of changed my let's, life. Let's, let's so, go into it. What? So values. So, you know, there was a list of probably 50 to 75 values. Right. And did and you they, guys write those up? No. no. They were okay. already written up, but they had us pick out 10. Okay. Our 10 of our values. And then they had us narrow that down to five. And then our top two. And this is when it clicked with me because, of course, my number one value was what? Family, right? Oh, damn. Oh, man. Oh, I know where this is going, oh. buddy. And then at the bottom, I see one that says wealth. I did circle that, but that's obviously one of my values, one yeah. of my higher values because work two jobs, right? Work, work all the time. Yeah. Oh, and so that that was the clicking moment, like, I, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a total hypocrite. But you're a hypocrite who is aware of your ignorancy and your hypocrisy. Well, so I, I want to talk about this a little bit because it actually, we were doing this exercise and there was this whole, um, part of this was, was this whole, um, triangle and we can go into it in a little bit uh, just about how your goal setting and your goals are really based on your values. If you make a goal that doesn't align with your values, you're never going to reach that goal, right? Okay. So like if your goal is to lose weight, to look good, but your values are your family, uh, that doesn't really align. But if you want to lose weight, so you're healthy, so you can be alive for a long time for your family, then that lines up. And so you're more likely to achieve that goal. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Um, but so Dan, I don't know what you're, what you actually circled on your sheet, but he, when it, we went around and just said one of our goals and he said, he's like, hi, I just, one of my, or sorry, not goals, but values. He's like, one of my values is wealth. He's like, and he was really distraught about it. I was pissed. He was pissed. Yeah. And he's like, but it's also family. And that we talked about this and this thing for two hours. We totally we derailed the class. <laughs> right. Um, and it was so awesome because I think we all struggle with that because you have to have money to have a house right. to support your family. Yep. Um, and you want to have enough money to be able to do that. So then you have to work a certain amount to get that money to support your family. So the whole conversation was, is your value your family or is your value the money? And it was really interesting because I feel myself in that too. Like I need to make this amount of money so I can pay my house payment and send my kid right. to dance class and all of these things. 
does that mean my, that I value money over my family? You know, and it was, it really opened everybody up to this really interesting conversation. So how did people respond to the question, do you value your family over money or vice versa when you have a need to produce a certain amount of income to help your family run? I think that the key word there is a certain amount of income. Yeah. I mean, it's so something that kind of brings it all together for me is, is there's a story that, uh, we heard down there that actually there's someone, Scott Lale, he's a fire chief down in Claiborne, um, Texas told to the Lions Club, Lions Club. And I listened yeah. to it yesterday and I actually had a tear running down my, my cheek. We should call oh, him and have him tell the story. Let's do it. Let's do it. We didn't really plan this though. Is, is he available? He's a fire chief. I'm let's, sure he's available. Let's figure. Let's call him and see what he says. All right. Yeah. Let's just call him up. Fire department. This is Scott. Scott, this is Steve Williams with the EMT Pro Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Hey, this is uh, kind of last minute, <laughs> but we're talking to your two buddies, Dan and Holly, and they said we got to talk to Scott about the what is it, the businessman uh, and the fisherman, the fisherman. Hey, Scott. This is Dan. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, my brother. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I got to tell you, I listened to that, to your speech on the way down here today. Had a tear I'm, running down my cheek. Um, it kind of just kind of reset me a little bit because I'm a little, I'm wavering a little bit. I did over, I, I didn't tell these guys this, but I picked up over a hundred hours of overtime in the next week and a half. <laughs> it's kind of panic <laughs> mode because I'm just used to working. So anyway, we'll get back to that later. But We're going to have an intervention later. Intervention. Okay. And so we just yeah. love for yeah. you to tell that story for our listeners. So there, and I'm happy you called. It's good to talk to you, and I'd be happy to tell you. So there is a very successful businessman from the United States, and and he's he's very driven. He's driven to be successful and make money, and he finds himself at a point in life where he's he is just stressed to the max, and he's looking to recharge his batteries, and he wants to find some peace. So he books a vacation to a little tropical island, and he spends a couple of days on the beach just watching the local fishermen come and go. And he notices that there's one fisherman in particular who's just always smiling and he, he just looks peaceful. He just has that peaceful look on his face. So the businessman approaches him and he tells him, I'm, I'm a very successful businessman from the United States. I came to this island to try to recharge my batteries and really to find some peace. And every time I see you, you just look so peaceful and at ease. W- would you tell me what you do in your life? And the fisherman says, absolutely, every morning I get up and I eat breakfast with my family. And the fisherman said, okay, that's that's good. And then after I eat breakfast with my family, I go fishing. And I catch enough fish to feed my family for the day. Then I come back in in the evening after we eat supper. My wife and I go for a a long walk along the beach and our kids play in the ocean. And the businessman said, "You, you do that every day? And he said, yeah, pretty much every day. That's what I do. And he said, and you catch enough fish every day to feed your family. And the fisherman said, oh, no, sometimes I catch way more fish than I need. But I just love to fish, so I just turn them back. And the businessman kind of gets a perplexed look on his face. And he said, well, with, with talent like that, you should buy two or three more fishing boats. You should have a whole fleet. And the fisherman said, well, why would I want to do that? And he said, well, you can catch those fish and sell them and make money. And the fisherman said, well, why would I want to do that? And he said, well, it, it, you can make lots of money. And in, in fact, in five years, you probably could have a huge fleet of boats. And probably in 10 years, you could have an office somewhere in the United States or another big city. And you could have an international fish distributorship. And the fisherman again asked, why would I want to do that? And he said, oh, to make lots of money. And once you've made that money, then you can retire. And the fisherman said, okay, and then what? And he said, well, once you retire, you can do anything you want, anything. And the fisherman said, so I think I'd probably like to eat breakfast with my family. And the businessman said, exactly, that's great. Eat breakfast with them. And the fisherman said, you know, after that, I love to fish, so I'd probably go fishing for a little while. And the businessman said, exactly. You know, whatever you want to do, there probably won't be near as many fish left at that point, but sure, go fishing. The fisherman said, 
you know, after that, I'd probably like to take a long walk along the beach with my wife and, and let our kids play in the ocean. And the businessman at this point was getting kind of exasperated. And he said, sure, whatever you want to do, you're rich and retired, but you know, your kids are probably going to be grown and gone by that time anyway. And the fisherman stuck out his hand to the businessman and he said, I hope you find your peace. And he turned and walked away hmm. with, with the moral of that being that sometimes we are so caught up in the outcome. We're so entrenched and so focused on the final, on the retirement that we forget to take the steps of the journey and we miss what builds that journey in just an effort to get to an end. So, that's the fisherman story. Oh, sir. That like, was I'm speechless. I've already heard this story so many times, <laughs> and it's so good every time. Wow. So basically what you're saying is, why are we waiting until we're retired to do the stuff we love to do? Right. Exactly. So we, the, the fisherman, he did what he wanted to do, what made him happy every single day. So money was not what was going to make him happier being retired. He was already in the moment. He was where his feet were. Every day, he was living his best life already. So all of those other things, the retirement and the money, it meant nothing to him because he already had everything he needed for peace. I love it. Wow. I'm, I'm sitting like, here contemplating like 50 different things. <laughs> right. But <laughs> Scott, is. that's so per- perfect that you said be where your feet are because we were talking about that earlier, which is we are thinking about what do we have to do next? What's for dinner? What do I have to do tomorrow? And we are missing all these moments that are happening to us right now that are never going to happen again. Right. Never. We will, we will never be in this moment ever again in our lives ever hmm. because once it's past, it's past. And if we miss the opportunity to enjoy it, take a deep breath, smile, just reflect, then we've missed an opportunity that we will never ever have again. Wow. <laughs> Not a lot of talking going on here, sir. <laughs> I'm really glad we called you. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love how I'm like, we, let's call Scott. Let's just call him. When we talked about it, we talked about it a little bit yesterday about smelling the flowers. Yeah. It was kind of an epiphany moment for me because when you stop and smell the flowers, you stop and smell a rose, you are exactly where you feet, your feet are for that one moment in time because you're not when you bend down to smell that rose, you're not thinking about what you've got to do next. You're waiting to see how the rose smells. You're in the moment where your feet are. And then you move on from there. But for that one split second, you're exactly where your feet are. And that's all you're thinking about. Wow. So. Scott, you were here at this, and we're talking about the class that we all went to in Texas. Yes. And you were there with us. Mm-hmm. And... They had to separate us because we kept uh, making jokes. <laughs> That's another story. No, but uh, we were just talking about how much, even though we these are all things that I think we've heard before or we already kind of know as human beings, but mm-hmm. it really brought everything home for, for us and for me, um, and I think for you too and everyone else that was there, that it's one thing to know about these concepts, but it's another thing to live them. And Right. It was so inspiring to be able to um, bring these home and try to start living them. But then once you get back into your environment, like you're all inspired. But then once you get back in your environment, it's actually really hard. And it takes a lot of conscious effort to be where your feet are and think about this businessman, fisherman, how that applies to your life. How um, we haven't talked about gratitudes yet, but how doing your gratitudes actually changes the entire course of your day and it's been really fun to um, bring all these things home and actually try to live them instead of just talk about them. I think the word that has kind of stuck for me is purposeful. We have to go into each day purposefully thinking about those gratitudes and thinking about being in the moment and where your feet are. Because if we just let life pass us by, at the end of the day, we're just passed by and we've missed all of those things. So if we're purposeful, I know we we do our gratitudes and you're going to talk about those later, but sometimes we get busy and we have to make a a purposeful effort to send those gratitudes. I think we all see them and we all know what they are, but it's the picking up the phone and sending the text. Mm -hmm. So we just have to act purposefully. 
And just what Scott's talking about is there's a group of us now that every single day we send each other three things we're grateful for that have happened in the last 24 hours. And the other day, Dan texted me and said, I don't see your gratitudes. And it was, it was late at night. I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. I got so caught up in my day that I forgot to do my gratitudes. And it's really nice to have this group of people. So we encourage all the people listening. If you've, if you've got a group of people, text a couple every single day what your gratitudes are. And they're sometimes hilarious and sometimes (laughs) they make me cry. So (laughs) So Holly and and Dan uh, on the string of gratitude, I want to ask you a quick question that I've been thinking about. Have you noticed that now it's hard to single out just three things now that you're thinking about them and you're purposeful? I'm like, I can't send them 27 things. The text string is too long. Right. Yeah, I do find that. Yes. And then yep. I'll identify something during the day like, wow, this is cool. I'm going to put this on my text thread. And then it gets it gets right. over overwrought by something else. So I totally, right. totally get that. The other day I was yep. at work and I walked over to the crew quarters and it was a bitch fest. It was. <laughs> oh, just a bunch of complaining? Oh, it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And it felt really good. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And then – I kind of snapped out of it a little bit and I looked over and I asked one of our, um, one of my coworkers, I was like, what are you grateful for today? And the look on their face was like, what? And then suddenly there was just like this light in their eyes and it changed the entire mood mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of the crew quarters. It was pretty awesome. And you'd have to know this girl. She, she was old when I started at this company. 18 oh, years ago. Man. So, so she <laughs> is grumpy, but we love her. Oh, and, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But it was really fun to just catch myself catching myself, which we haven't talked uh-huh. about yet. And just be like, what, what are you grateful for? And it, it really did just, it changed all of our, it changed my day actually. Yes. Yes. Right. So it's pretty great. Awesome. And you're right. It's, it's fun to see that light in people's eyes. Much like when you give someone a, a heartfelt, genuine compliment and you see it in their eyes that they appreciate it, when they stop and they're grateful for something, you see it in their eyes. You, you hear it in their voice and, and uh, it's demonstrated in their demeanor that you just changed their day. Wow. I'm so That's awesome. all we call you, sir. I know. <laughs> Unplanned, but awesome. <laughs> I love it. Scott, just know you're going to be on call now every time we do a podcast. Right. Yeah. We should call that guy I, back. <laughs> anytime. I'm always available for you guys. Well, we really appreciate it. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to ask him before we let him go? Scott, We're definitely what are you get grateful it. for today? Oh, okay. Yeah, good, good question. One, good, one, good one. You know, that's, uh, I've just finished a flu shot clinic, and I'm not so much grateful for the flu shot clinic, but we're at one of my, one of my stations. And I got a chance to come out here and during the people coming through getting their shot, I got a chance to talk with the guys again. So, uh, you know, it's once you go to a certain level, you're not one of the guys anymore. So it was great to be able to just sit and talk to the guys again and laugh about goofy stuff and, and you know, just kind of bag on each other a little bit. Uh, I got to take my kiddos to school this morning and we went to our favorite little hole in the wall burrito place and had breakfast burritos and, and laughed and cut up at the table and had a great time. And then sitting right next to us at another table was a group from the uh, officers from the sheriff's department. And we see them, we, we know them from living in the same County and, and we kind of cut up and laughed a little bit. So it, it was just, uh, I think for me, the gratitude of the day was friendship and mm-hmm. connections. And you guys know my character strength, my character strength from the via test was love. And uh, I just loved being around those people. And, you know, Nothing like a good high five. <laughs> you can high five in COVID times. Six feet apart. Right? <laughs> I guess it's two arm lengths. That is six feet. You still high five. Yeah, we actually wash your hands. We, we, we were wearing we were wearing gloves. Oh, oh there yeah. you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, so that's, Scott. Thanks that's for sharing it. that with us. You're very welcome. All right, sir. Thank and you I, so much. You bet. Anytime. Y'all have a wonderful day. All right. You too. You too. Thanks, Scott. All right. So Scott is a fire chief down in Texas. Sounds like a good dude to work oh, for. Super good dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Out there doing flu shots. Yeah. I don't oh, know. If, well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should keep that comment to myself about <laughs> chiefs I know. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The same thing. Oh, man. 
Um, that's that's really awesome though. I'm glad we called him. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here marinating on like 50 different things in my. I know. Head I right feel now. like. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, I got it okay, because wow. it, in our retirement system, and this is how I grew up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tier one. I know you're not. I but am not tier one. Every, how can you be five stars and not, and not tier, tier one? one exactly. I know, Dan's got a one up on you. <laughs> so you work every hour of overtime you can to build up your final average salary, and you don't take. You have to have so much vacation to sell back, and you don't take any sick leave because that mm-hmm. is your final average salary that you live for the rest of your life. And so that's how I've had it for the last 25 years. Yeah. So, so when they still call me for overtime, I'm still in the mindset of, oh my gosh, my final average. But you're salary. retired. I, I and am you're working back. Right, retired, working back is a contract. And it doesn't go towards final It doesn't go towards anymore. anything. But it's, it's just stuff for it's my a mindset. Kids, to, kids to yeah. spend, right? So I'm getting out of that. It's so nice to hear Scott kind of give me that reboot. Yeah. Yeah. So Very cool. Um, yeah, I know that. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say the, the retirement thing, you know, for me it was just beaten into my head about making good, financial decisions from an early age. And so, um, you know, my wife and I aren't, uh, immune to making bad financial choices that, you know, but we've, we're doing pretty well. Um, especially for someone in their, you know, mid thirties, we don't really, you know, we have a very different take on money and it, it's because we focused on making it, you know, probably too high of a priority in a lot of ways. Um, now, you know, kind of thinking about it, you mean early on? Um, no, just it's all, it's a, it's a you know a monthly focus for us because um, we have some goals we want to hit and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like, what are we? What, what are we doing it for? If if the bank account looked exactly the way I want it to, what would I go do? Not a whole lot different than the stuff I could go do right now. I mean, right? Yeah, go fly fishing. Right. Spend time with the kiddos. Well, you can look at that two ways. One is that you are doing what you want to do yeah. with your current lifestyle, right? which I think is the goal, right? Yeah. We still have to go to work and make money. Yeah. We still have to have somewhere to live and, and food to eat. But if, if you can do that in a way that balances your life with the spiritual and the physical and all of the other things, that's resiliency. Yeah. So maybe you're living your best life right now. So maybe you're doing a good thing. I mean, I'm hanging out with you guys. That's, That's good. I right. can't think of anything else I'd rather do in retirement than hang out with you guys. So. <laughs> wow. That's so nice. <laughs> we'll all be in the same old folks home together. Oh, jeez. By the time we retire, it'll be 72 or something. Yeah. Dan. I'll be long gone. Yeah, you'll be long gone. <laughs> Thank you. Please go to my funeral at least. <laughs> wow. So, see, see, this is a topic where it's just, there's no agenda. It's right. just... I just wish I Because you've got to figure it out for yourself. You've got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. The and class no, was like, really structured around it. that. It was really structured around, here's what resiliency is. There's five components. And it could be very PowerPoint-driven, very science-driven. But adding in the storytelling and adding in the getting to know you um, helped us all be at somewhat of a vulnerable level. So then every single exercise or question that we did or were asked, we really dug deep, I think, as a group and made the class so amazing. And the class, even the instructor said, when I teach this class, I think I get more out of it than you guys do. Yes. And the instructors who were had a significantly long history in law enforcement and heavy-duty military stuff and have taught this class multiple times themselves were in tears. Yeah. Yes. So and sharing their stories, too, was exactly. amazing. One of the stories that was told that goes along this whole retirement thing was um, one of the guys was a police chief. And I remember when he said on his very last day, um, he was deliberately cleaning out his office, which was taking down the picture and remembering when he got that award or picture or whatever and putting it away and very deliberately doing these things. And when he handed over basically the baton to the new police chief, he said something that he will miss the job a lot more than the job will miss him. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. You know, like I think we feel so invested in what we have going 
If we were to disappear today, someone else is going to step right into our position and yep. the world is going to go on. So if you're sitting there stuck in this career you might not love or in a position you don't love, someone will happily take that from you and yep. the life will go on and you can go be happy. But it was just really interesting how he said that. I will miss the job more than the job will miss me. Mm-hmm. It just carries on. Yep. It just carries on. All I do is fill a seat. And I feel like telestaff is going to fill that vacancy (laughs) real quick. Exactly. It's, that's what it's meant to do. That doesn't mean you're not important, but what it means is if you give yourself to your job, it's going to give you nothing back. Correct. Nothing. Correct. Just a retirement check that hopefully you can utilize for many years after Mm -hmm. you hang it up. Yeah. I know that the, the stuff that we tell, and it's interesting looking back on it because this is one of the things I've been thinking about listening to you guys talk. We get our probationary employees. Um, usually the first week of their academy and we go out and we have a chat, buy them drinks, do the whole union spiel. Like this is why it's important to be a part of a union, blah, blah, blah. But then after that part's over, it's really just eating and drinking with, you know, a bunch of the new people you're going to work with. And so we end up answering a lot of questions about healthcare and retirement accounts because they get bombarded with all this information and not a whole lot of time to ask questions that are specific to them. And so we've got a couple people that are, you know, I would say faux experts on those topics and they come and try to help them as much as they can with the information they know. And we always talk about taking care of yourself and, you know, what, so we sidebar when we teach a class in our, with our peer support group, we always talk about doing what's on the duh slide. I don't know if we've talked about that on this. We did. Yeah. And you know, it, it's kind of like what you guys are hitting on, you know, the, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, doing the things that you know you're supposed to do that are enriching your life. But a lot of us just kind of let them go by the wayside, um, eating healthy, you know, getting a workout in talking to someone, doing something for you. Um, and then, you know, loving and serving others, right. It's kind of a, a big thing that kind of keeps coming up and we share that with people and they all kind of go, yeah, huh, huh, cool, cool. And they can't see beyond their excitement for the new job they just got, which is great, right? I mean, you don't want to like squash that. <laughs> but I so badly want to shake some of these people and say, I know, I know you have a baby on the way. I know that you just got married. I know that you're switching careers and you have, uh, you know, a bunch of kids in elementary school. Um, like don't forget that important stuff right and we 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 so heavily and i'm so guilty of this we make work the thing that's the most important when if you look at time perspective uh what we devote most of the time to and it doesn't have to be that way and right. it's not really going to change things you know that extra shift a month that you take in overtime probably not going to be the determining factor in whether or not your budget is square for the month or you have a little bit extra in savings it's probably not going to be the determining factor but we let that excuse be the reason that we don't spend more time with yeah. the things that truly enrich us, right? Work to live, don't live to work. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Have you noticed at your department that the newer people are much better at this than we are? Um, overall, so pre-COVID and COVID, different answers um, for me. I would say... What I'm recognizing at our department pre was was recognizing at our department pre COVID was they were a lot better. Um, they were utilizing their time off. Um, I actually heard of people taking mental health days just to you know get away for a little bit. And now with the COVID era, we have a lot more overtime available. Um, you know, we had uh, recently a, a guy tested positive, myself and. I think five or six other people had to quarantine for two weeks. None of us ended up getting COVID, but, uh, you know, we had to do the safe thing. And so for two weeks, there's it's a lot of overtime, a lot of, a lot, you know, five or six more shifts of overtime than there would normally be. And so those events are happening and we're seeing these younger people step up a lot to fill those voids and they're not necessarily making healthy decisions outside of work. Um, I would say on average, I don't, I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say everyone's like that, but um, I've definitely noticed a change with COVID times that people are working more because there's more opportunities and they're kind of letting the work-life balance go by the wayside in the 
you know, interim. So there's hopefully that, be something that comes back. To, and also with all the fires that we've had too, there's, it's just been such a crazy few months with, I'm yes. sure all the overtime available and stuff. And there's got to be something that triggers that dopamine in your brain or whatever it is that's stepping up in a moment of crisis. It feels really freaking good. Yeah. Like to be that person and Correct. it's addicting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's part of what people in this type of arena, um, we like it. We like being the savior. We like to rush in and pick up the overtime and be a team player and someone you can depend on. Mm-hmm. But in reality, someone else is going to do it. In reality, they're just going to go down the list and call someone else. Yeah, it's not me they that they need. It's right. a body. Um, so, but I do think that it's, you know, I, I went to paramedic school the week after 9-11. And so you come into this career with this sense of duty, you know, like, uh, I don't know. And so there, there's got to be something to that too, personality wise. Oh, absolutely. And it's really hard to, like you said, once you get into that overtime mode to step back and. Well, we're all type A control freaks. <laughs> okay, I mean, fine. I was trying to are. say it in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we, we truly are. And, and we love having things fall on our shoulders because that's where our comfort is. Yep. And so it makes sense that when people see a need, they want to meet the need because they know they can fill it. Right. Especially in our line of work. So yeah, really interesting stuff. I'm really glad we called that guy. So Dan, you said before we finish the show, you wanted to talk about what it's looked like for you. Right. With resiliency, how, how that going to that class and making that mindset change, how it changed me. Yeah. So we're in Texas Mm -hmm. and as you May know or not know, I work two full-time jobs, uh, one with the fire department, one with the flight company. And I haven't been super happy at the flight company. Um, and so I, I'm there. I've had this class. I'm super vulnerable. I'm super emotional. And I get a phone call, and it's saying some negative things about stuff that we've done at the flight company regarding a class we taught. So you got a call yep. from someone at the flight company, a boss or something? Big boss. And... They said, they said, this is what you messed up on here. This is all these accusations. Mm-hmm. And we won't even have to get into that. Yeah. I got off the phone. I went to Holly because Holly was there at the class. And I says, I'm quitting. Actually, he walked down the hallway and I looked at him and I was like, are you okay? And he goes, I, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I didn't want to tell her because I don't want to, because we're on this high. Yeah. And I did not want to bring her down to where I was. Yeah. When actually where I was was a great place. Mm-hmm. I went home, drafted my resignation letter, which is amazing. Yeah. And I'm done. You, I'm, after the other part of the story years, is, I'm done. You called me shortly thereafter and we oh, had Oh, that's chat. right. I was outside, I was outside in the parking lot. And I, and I was actually doing, uh, I live in this kind of V-shaped cul-de-sac thing and we, I was doing a loop around my neighborhood talking to you on the phone. And I will say, I've never heard you sound like you had more clarity in life it than was. you did that night. Yeah. It, was it was. I didn't know noticeable. you talked to Steve. That's awesome. I did. I, I remember I had to have all the validation. All the board of directors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all the board of directors. I had to say it's okay because I fear change so bad. Yeah. I And it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. You know, That's I don't awesome, have man. to have a 96 Camry. I can have a 92 Camry, right? I can... You <laughs> rock that camera. I rock that yes, camera. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So, yes, that is what this class and what this new outlook on life meant to me was actually to give up a job, which was my retirement gig. Yeah. That's the thing I was going to do. And I'm so glad. Yeah. We went I'm for a run doing. the night before. And right. we were out running. And and I made a time limit. Okay, I'm going to go to this date. And yep. then I'm going to step down. Yep. And then I asked him, I'm like, what are you afraid of? Is it money? That's exactly. And he's like, yeah, it's money. And I said, well, what does, what does Angie say about this? She's behind me a hundred percent. And I was like, I just get like, I, my heart just swells up. You know, yeah. it's just like having that kind of support mm-hmm. yeah. means it's the right decision. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if nothing else, life can change. Totally. At your own, your own. Uh, snap of your fingers. Not life, life can change automatically. I mean, I could drop dead right now. Right. But I made it change. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our buddy Scotty, that was on the IO guy. Yeah. His catchphrase is, unf yourself. 
And basically <laughs> that's what that's movie. what Dan did. Totally. There. And me too. I think that we all sort of we just get in this what does society want us to do? We have to live in this house and have two point five kids and retire yeah. with this much money. Right. And really I can just trail run every day and raise my amazing daughter. Right. And I don't I don't need the stuff society tells me I need. So really just finding what your values are mm-hmm. is the most important part of this class. Yes. Um, to, to write the ship, right? Yep. Every single, I've had to make some really important decisions in the last couple of weeks. And every single time I go back to what are my values? Is this lining up with my values? No. Okay. It's out. Yeah. You know, and it's so much easier when you have just that compass, right. which is your values to, and you give yourself every permission to, to make the tough choice. And it's actually even, not tough anymore. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Well, good for you. We'll have to put up a list of values on the... Because when I think yeah. about what are my values, I'm like, uh, what are... I mean, I don't know, like a work ethic, a mm-hmm. family, but having a list of values to look at is like, oh yeah, that's a value. Okay, yeah. that's a value. Yeah. Um, we actually have a new... Um, hopefully it'll be up by the time this podcast airs. Uh, we have a comments section on each episode on the website now. So oh, cool. people can share what's going on bad. and, uh, well, you know, it could be good. It could be bad, right. but <laughs> if it gets too bad, we'll just have to moderate it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the hope is that especially, you know, since we kind of like to talk about mental health stuff quite a bit, uh, on this podcast that we can be a little vulnerable and open up and share on there. You know, my number two value was after family was connectedness. This really plays into my values, which is connecting with whoever the heck decides to listen to this insane podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Um, That's pretty much our entire episode right there. All right. So um, if y'all are interested about this weird class that we took where everybody cries all day, um, just let us know and we'll come teach it to your department or your organization. Um, We have a really awesome group of people, very diverse group that comes to to teach this. And I think with all of our collective experiences, everybody can relate to somebody on the team. And it's pretty cool. Life-changing. Life-changing. Cool. Yeah, go check it out. It's at the emtpro.com website, and this episode is, I don't remember what episode number we're on, but it's going to be the Resiliency and Dan Story. Thank you. Title, whatever that one is. All right, let's leave it there. Thanks, guys, for chatting, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right, see ya.